0: Hello beautiful people, I'm Patrick, and I'm Wojciech, and you are listening to Brains and Beards show, episode number three, releasing test pills. Enjoy. Hello everybody, Uh, welcome to our new episode. Welcome Wojciech, how are you doing? Uh, I'm great, thanks. Uh, How are you, Patrick? I'm great as well, thank you. We record this episode on the 19th of December, 2020, almost a whole year after, or more than whole whole year after the pandemic. Uh, right now, the European Union is preparing for um, vaccination of the whole population or part of the population. We don't know what the plan is yet, but uh, to, to achieve such a, such a um, project, they, they, they need a, so let's call it a release plan, right? And uh, we would like to talk today about something similar, perhaps not, not the same scale, but uh, as well kind of complicated. Um, you finish your application and now it's done and you have to kind of give it to the users. And how do you do it? And Wojciech prepared a really interesting episode for you about exactly that. So Wojciech, what can you tell us about releasing the application to the production, to the users?
1: Uh, okay, uh, I feel a little bit... Um under pressure now, because uh, the coronavirus comparison uh, suggests we're going to talk about really complicated stuff. Uh, but as you will probably notice when the episode is over, it, it is complicated dealing with the guidelines and uh, features and the, what's possible in the Apple and Google app stores. Uh, it's, it is complicated, but it's manageable. It's de- definitely not the scale of that the world is uh, facing right now. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to start with what we're not going to talk about because we're not going to talk about the easy stuff, which means releasing the app to your users so they can see it uh, and they play with it. Because this is uh, fairly, fairly straightforward, like once you pass the review process, which should be an episode in itself, uh, there's a lot of uh, unexpected... Uh, turns of events there, I would say, and uh, we have some stories, I think, to share about that. Uh, However, what I want to focus on is how to release the application internally so that you can keep working on it, testing it within your organization. Uh, so for example, it would be sharing with the client if you're an agency or with a QA department if you're a bigger organization, or maybe with just with the PO. And we think it's uh, fair, complicated enough to, to warrant a discussion about the subject in, in depth, because uh, many teams, uh, when they are first time working on a project, they don't really know what the flow should be. And the flow can be whatever you want it to be, so it doesn't make it easier. Uh, So yeah, Uh, Patrick, maybe you could tell us a bit about the tools that we use for for the release because uh, I remember for years there has been many different uh, companies building different tools that let you release the testing versions. How is it right now at the end of 2020? What's the ecosystem like?
0: Okay, Uh, that's a very interesting question. I I would say, uh, call it, uh, well, I will uh, explain it a little bit from the iOS background because I'm more iOS developer than Android developer, so I don't know so much about the past um, of Android. So when we started on iOS, there, there there were no tools basically. So you the only thing you could do is was like sign the application with a certificate and then you could um, somehow <laughs> and give it to the users who needs to test. So you need to know their their um, IDs of the devices, and with that uh, you could embed their their devices, um, the IDs inside of a certificate and sign the app, and the app could only run on those devices and nothing else. And it was very cumbersome to you know if you had like a bigger team to to share and um, this version with uh, with others. And so many people, many companies discovered that's the problem, and which uh, you know can be monetized basically. There were like two things. First of, of all, they gave you an and one place in the internet where to upload it. So it was like, for example, Hockey app and, and some other services, which I forgot already, sorry. And then so you could upload the APA to these services and they would distribute it for you. So it was already uh, solving several things. One is the how to this, send this IPA version uh, application to the other devices, and uh, uh, the other thing is how to sign it properly. That was the beginning, and on some point, Apple find out okay, uh, we have a problem uh, gap. Let's say in the in the process in between releasing. Uh, producing the app and releasing and testing and so on. So they came up with TestFlight or they bought TestFlight. I think the TestFlight was actually a separate company, if I remember it correctly. And I think it was bought by by Apple. And because they wanted to, you know, to to, um, bridge this gap and have this uh, all possibilities in their own. Um, ecosystem. So the test flight is right now a a very complex, very complete solution uh, to the problem of distributing and testing the application and gives you an ability. You you can address with with it the, the, the problem of distributing the app to your internal people, but as well you are able to distribute Mm, distribute testing versions uh, for to external testers let's say some developers or some other um, users which are willingly to test your beta application and give you a feedback and this is something which uh, basically s- scratches all the itches. Uh, right now on the same is for Google. You, you have Play Store, which allows you as well the same thing, like uh, easy a distribution and separation of uh, of versions and users. So you can send one version to one um, portion of the users and uh, another version to another um, users. And I, I mean, not, not like a releasing to the production to the different users, but I'm still thinking about like testing and releasing uh, uh, getting feedback from the users?
1: Uh, yes, I think the crucial feature, I would say, that makes it, makes TestFlight or Play Store beta releases work for us is this separation into different tester groups. Because uh, once you upload a build to TestFlight, then all the so-called internal users in the organization have immediate access to it. You don't have to distribute it in any special way. There is an assumption that If you uploaded it, you you wanted to share it with your teammates. And then later you can define, I think, as many as you want, different testing groups where you would promote this build build to outside testers. And they could be different people from, from your company, from your organization, or they could be beta testers from outside. And finally, the last step is actually going public with the app. So the flow is similar, you have to pass some kind of beta review to be able to distribute outside of the internal users. But uh, it's pretty fast and uh, it lets you as you say, it lets gives you the possibility to control which version of the app goes to which testing group basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I would add it to this one more point is uh, because um the, I forgot about, I think, one of the most important things with Tesla is that how seamless the process is. So in the past, you could still, you know, like invite some users, but they would have to use a special app or go to a special URL. And from this URL, download the profile. Okay. Uh, which uh, you would have to then allow, so you would have to know where to go. It was usually, a, you know, instruction, go to the settings, go to the general, go to the profiles, accept the profile. And what does it mean? I mean, like, I'm accepting something, I, I don't know, is it safe? How do I remove it then after that? I mean, it's something which a normal user probably um, is not willing to do. Or at least you will lose a portion of your, of your uh, user group uh, which you want to test, with that process, so what the test flight gave us is, uh, you know, you still have to download a test flight application, but this from Apple, and inside of that you will find, you will find, um, basically, you will find all the application you are in, were invited to test, and you can pick it and download it, even update it automatically there. And uh, it, what is really cool is that uh, you can have a different uh, emails, so you can send invitation to one email. But perhaps this is just your spam email, so you can install the app with your real email without uh, letting the the developer know about your real email. It's like, you know, some people would like it for sure. So it's like very seamless process.
1: For me, that's the uh, killer feature that uh, puts test flight above uh, Play Store beta releases because the time I spent explaining to people what kind of email address I expect them to give me, that not only it has to be a Google account, but also it has to be the Google account that they are signed in, into on their phone. And some people don't understand what I mean by uh, that they are signed into a Google account on the phone. Uh, it's, it's always a long conversation. And usually I end up i writing a message somewhere uh, in the file and saving it on my disk and then copy copy pasting it multiple times with detailed instructions and answers to all the questions that might have and it's
0: just a terrible process.
1: It's much easier on on test flight in that case. Yeah,
0: so so yeah, I would see I would say we agree that the test flight and Google Play Store is like for us 99% use cases are covered by these two services, and perhaps that's why we don't know if there is something else right now, very hot and very cool, uh, because there is no like no uh, no no pain points, right? Usually, you start to looking for new services when you have a pain point that you want to 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 fix. Uh, yeah, right. That's now true. It's it's working, um, but uh, so yeah, we agree on the tool, but uh, how to use this tool? Perhaps you know you can you can tell us a little bit about. Uh, how would this process the the release, release testing process look for for small organization and for bigger ones like what what you could um, suggest
1: Yeah that's a very good point that you touched on uh the flow that you would go with is depends heavily on what type of organization are you working with so uh, Let's talk about two different scenarios. One is a very small, very simple setup uh, for a very minimal organization. And the second is uh, a setup that you would see in a bigger, let's say, corporate or enterprise environments when you have multiple teams working on multiple products and they might be interested in what, what you're working on. You have Different responsibilities in the team. You have like apart from the developers, you have the dedicated product owner. You have a dedicated uh, QA department. uh, You want to perform design review, all those things, and at the same time, you don't want to promote unstable builds to people who are uh, uh, to your colleagues in the organization itself, but not part of the of the team. So yeah, let's start with the simple one. So. I like to imagine it uh, as a situation where the dev- developer or developers, because it's often, oftentimes a standalone developer, uh, working with um, a CEO directly. And this is a common setup where CEO wants to make the decisions and they want to be kept in, in the loop about how the development of the app is going. However, because they're CEO, they don't have time to to really do QA, like do quality assurance on the app. So you cannot think of them as, oh, he's just gonna test if everything works. No, like stuff that gets to him is stuff that you're pretty solid, it's gonna be fine. And he just uh, clicks around on the app uh, for like five minutes before he says, okay, like, let's roll it out. And if there is a bug in there, it's not his fault, it's your fault. So uh, those are specific needs uh, in in this small team. So you have to be able to show the progress on the app even uh, so you have to release test versions more often than you release public versions because the boss wants to keep tabs on how the the work's going. Uh, The second uh, condition is like you don't really have any quality assurance department, Uh, you're doing your own QA. And uh, you don't really have much of a time budget to to be juggling different versions, environments. Uh, it's usually um, an environment when there is a pressure on deadlines, and it's, if it's especially if it's a uh, sole developer, they want to spend their time building building new things. So the solution that I would suggest in such a case would be just to release one app, one environment. So especially this works especially well for greenfield projects, when until the product is kind of finished or kind of done, uh, you have no public users. So when, when there are no public users, any environment is staging environment. It doesn't matter if you call it production or not, but if there are no real users, the, the mistakes don't, don't cost you much. So I would say we only keep one production environment uh, in terms of backend and APIs. And we know that the whole QA depends on the developer. So the moment you're pushing out your code, you have to be 100% sure that everything works. So what you would do is you would uh, add the the CEO, the person who is finally deciding whether the build is ready to go live or not. Uh, You would put them on the test flight or on the Play Store as a person on the team. So they would have to be part of the organization and add it as a user. And uh, so invitations, they have to accept it. You have to give them permissions and all, the, all this jazz. But once you set it up, then it's enough for you to just push the build. On test flight they would get a notification that there's a new version available. Uh, I think in Google, you have to ping them yourself. And they would be able to download the app, see it, and they say, "Okay, like good work or terrible work or whatever." And then once you once you go to production, then the only drawback is that you're you're operating on the production API. so you have to be careful not to not to do crazy things like trying to delete all the content in the in the database or uh, use real users for testing. Uh, but yeah, if you if you screw something up, you can always say this is not your fault. It is the backend team fault because the backend should not allow you to <laughs> to delete no data that is not yours. So yeah, uh, this is a I think the simplest setup I could think of. Uh, do you have any questions about it, Patrick? And
0: um, yeah, I, I have one. And perhaps we can talk about uh, if is there any let's say. Uh, um, emergency break or something like that once the app, uh, you're thinking it's 100% tested and, and good, but there, there is a bug or something like that. Do we have any emergency breaks or something like that which we could pull? Not, don't hit the world so hard.
1: Yeah, uh, fortunately, I think I think the solution here would be to use the gradual releases when we don't roll out to... because it only matters uh, the bugs only matter once it goes to live users so i guess that's what that's what you meant so once you do the live release you would do a gradual release where you first release to five percent of your users then to 10 percent then to 20 50 and then 100 and you have crash reporting set up because like Of course, everybody has that. And once you release to 5% of your users, you open your uh, sentry panel and you're looking through all the reports. And if you see any crashes, you stop the release. Like You try not to let it go out to any other users. And there's a bit different behavior between how TestFlight handles it and how Play Store handles it, but let's not go that much into the details. But the point is that... uh, the build doesn't go to all the users and they all see the bag that, for example, crashes your application at start. It's only 5% that are affected and the 95% are safe from this uh, buggy version. And it gives you the time that uh, to write a fix and deploy the fix and also use a gradual rollout of the fix. And I think uh this is a fairly good, as you said, like a um, uh, handbrake uh, in case of emergency that um, you should be able to spot any global errors fairly quickly. And if the error is not global, it does not affect all the users, then probably like you can get away with rolling it out to everybody. And then once user reports start coming in, that, for example, if in a particular scenario when they i know minimize the app and maximize it like three times in a row they cannot click a button so like then you can fix those less important issues with a with a new build
0: yeah i I think we would suggest that uh, you should use this this option for every release and for the following reason because the bugs are kind of you know like uh, easy to spot let's say but they are different things like uh, a performance degradation and this kind of things, which is harder to spot in the QA because it, it can even not be your fault or perhaps um, the degradation, you know, like a slowness of the APIs. This is what it can be like, the slowness of the APIs. Once uh, you release a new application, which uh, perhaps uses a new endpoint, API endpoint, and then it, it uh, looks like, you know, the your databases in the servers are lacking a, a specific index and everything slows down and so on. And while developing, you never saw this problem because perhaps your QA environment doesn't have this amount of the data, right? Um, so this is something as well, which uh, gives you the opportunity, this, this phased out rollout or the gradual rollout gives you the opportunity to monitor your um, servers and and. Uh, monitor how they react to the new version because, as I said, there can be the different, um, not only bugs, but but other things to, to look for. Uh, so yeah, I don't see any, I, I would say 90% of the releases should be done like this. Of course, there are um, some important changes which you shouldn't wait for uh, a, sever, a, a week or something like that, like that to roll out, but I would say 90% of the releases can be done be, and should be done like this. Yeah, I, ag-
1: I agree completely. So uh, to sum up the benefits of this approach, like why would we do something like this if it's a bit risky? Because it is a bit risky. So the main benefit is the simplicity of the setup, because we want to minimize the time you spend orchestrating the releases or setting up configuration. So in this case, you don't need any app variants because you have only one variant of your application the one that uses production APIs. You only have to upload two builds, one to Apple's site, one to Google's site, and that's it. And uh, the last thing is that because the build that you're testing before the release is going to be the release build, then you know you're, you're testing what actually goes out to your users. Because once you start playing with staging environments and different builds and so on, then... Uh you, you are in a situation where you tested your staging build, but actually it's a different build that goes out to the users and you can trust the developers that it contains the same thing, but it might not. Like there could be a small configuration change and the staging build works, but the production breaks. So you have to also check the stuff that goes out to the, to the final users. So and here it's very simple. It's always one build and uh, this is what's being tested.
0: So Yeah, easy to understand. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's also true because especially when you're working with like a CEO directly and they have to uh, take care of like a web team, a mobile team and backend team and I know marketing team, they have a lot of things on their plate. You cannot just say, okay, let's just sit down. We're going to spend like an hour. I'm going to explain you how the test flight works, how the play store works, which builds go where and so on. Like nobody has time for that. So okay. that's, I think simplicity is the, the, the
0: biggest benefit here. So, so, so what is the the, sec, the the other end of the spectrum?
1: Yeah, the other is enterprise. so uh, it's like the jokes of writing uh, hello world hello world in Java in the enterprise version. Uh, the main difference is it's much more complicated. It gives you more possibilities. it makes it much easier to work in a bigger bigger team. However, there's much more things than you can do. So uh, let's talk a bit about what I mean by the enterprise environment. So you have a big product company and there are different teams. There's like a backend team, there's a mobile team or there are multiple mobile teams for one for each significant feature. And every team has a product owner, has a QA person, as a designer that's embedded on the team and all of those people want to see the build before they go out to the users because product owner will validate whether actually the feature works like he expected it to work. A QA person would make sure that it works how the user might use it. So for example, what happens if you put crazy inputs or click, but- click some buttons 100 times, stuff like this. And the design person is gonna validate whether the feature looks like they intended it to look on different, for example, on different screens. So you have to, during your normal work on a feature before your, your ticket uh, is closed because it's an enterprise situation. Of course, you're working with Jira, So you have a sprint, you have a Jira ticket, you open it and before you can push it to the done column, all the three groups have to sign off on this ticket that it actually works as, as expected. So how do you make sure that this code is not actually released, but it is released at the same time in a way that they can actually look at this uh, on their own devices? Uh, first step would be to create two variants of the application, one that would use uh, staging APIs, and the second that would use production APIs. And the build that would ultimately go out to the user is the production, using the production APIs. But the build that everybody is testing on would be the staging build. So in this case, uh, you end up with uploading four apps to to the stores because you have a staging iOS, production iOS, staging Android, production Android. So you already see that that things uh, are a bit more complicated. Also, keep in mind that to create the app variants, you have to have different bundle IDs for staging and production because they are Different apps, that's the condition you need to fulfill to be able to have both of them installed on your phone at the same time. And because people would like to, if you want to check, ah, does it work on staging, does it work on production, you have to have both of them on on your phone. Uh, So, yeah, you start with the variants, staging and production, uh, and then whenever you want to close a ticket or validate a ticket, you would deploy the version from your code branch you would uh, send it out to f- use probably some fast lane setup to automatically uh, build a staging version and upload it to google and apple and then you you ping your poqa design designer that there is a new version out can they take a look at it and then they automatically get they well they can download it and decide, uh, decide okay whether the work is done correctly or not. The very important feature is that they need to be able to download specific versions of the app because sometimes they're like you have a team of five developers, everybody's writing on their uh, working on their own ticket, and you would, each of them would deploy their own version to validate the work that they have done. So you have to not only be able to access the latest version, because then you can only validate one ticket, but you'll, you should be able to switch freely uh, bef- between different versions. And uh, using TestFlight, it's fairly easy. You can uh, select where, wherever version you want, but that only applies if you're an internal user, not part of a testing group. So, so yeah, that's like implementation detail, but it is pretty important.
0: I think it it's as well super important to um, give the the user who is testing um, an easy way to find out which version of the application they are testing. You know, QA people will never had this problem because of their mindset and focus and and know how to they know very well how to report back and so on. But you will send as well this this. Um, uh, this application to another people to PO, UX designers and so on, and perhaps they sometimes will um, be not so sure which version do they test. So it, it, you should give them very easy way to find out uh, which version that they use. For example, it, it would be written in the settings, in um, you know somewhere in the app, so they can as well send it as a screenshot, and this is this say can save um, a ton of back and forth communication, you know, between, and I saw your back, but uh, can you please tell which version you tested and so on, on which device? And so this is really helpful to to include these kind of things.
1: Yeah, a common pattern that uh, I've noticed that is the shake to report, where on staging build, you would implement the feature that when you actually shake the phone, it will take a screenshot, it will fill in some basic information, like what's the user ID, what's the date when it happened. Uh, and as you say, what the version is and what the device information is, and the user can write a few sentences what happened and just send the report, and it could go
0: straight to Jira, for example. Uh, yeah, that would be for the internal users, but sometimes you, you send this as well to the external users, which uh, which usually will report via email and screenshots. That's why why I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. Also, uh, when you mentioned being able to distinguish the staging version from the production version, there's a uh, and nice thing to do is when you create those variants, make sure they have different color of the icon. Like one of them is red, for example, the staging is red and production is blue To So it's very clear to the users, which application they, they ran yeah. like, so it's, uh, they form this distinction in their minds. So yeah. yeah. And after this, uh, this setup, there's also a question, what do you do with the builds that go outside of your team? So what I would suggest is I have some kind of release train where, for example, once a week or once a sprint or after every milestone is achieved, you would prepare uh, like a stable build that is uh, extra tested by the QA to make sure there are no, no bugs there. And we promote it to the out uh, people who are outside of the immediate team. And by outside, I mean... For example, people working, working in your company, but on different teams. or uh, And if they like it and if it's okay with them, because uh, it's a nice uh, idea to be dogfooding your own product to, to be using it internally. So if they use it for a, I don't know a week or so and it works well, you could uh, promote it to some group of handpicked beta users who you talked with and they are very happy using beta versions of the apps and help you test it and uh, provide you feedback if some, something doesn't work correctly uh, and then gradually like go through those different stages uh, and finally release it to to all the users of course the decision when to your release to the final users when to do the public release uh, it's not just develop it's not made by the developers it's made on the business side it's made on the marketing side as well uh, but it's good to have a uh, rolling I call it train of release stable releases that are prepared regularly and tested regularly outside of the team so that you know that one when, uh, when you want to release you, you say to them yeah we have a release that we made three days ago it contains uh, those features you can just push it out if you want uh, because making those public releases on demand can be stressful and sometimes uh you the business side would tell you okay we want to release it tomorrow and you tell them yeah but like the reviews take two days so that's not possible and i would like to spend half a day testing it so the release you can have it is in three days so and that's not something that the business side <laughs> likes to hear so yeah i've been rambling on it for a long time uh do you have any questions patrick about this setup or any doubts what or suggestions what could be improved
0: Perhaps I would suggest one thing, because that's kind of a um, complicated setup, which involve, uh, involves many versions of the application. Um, perhaps if you're doing that React Native, you you will be at the same point, would like to push an, a new iOS version, a new Android version. You said it. You have to have it kind of scripted, like Fastlane or something like that. But I would suggest as well to, uh, so it's not you who prepares this version, but the CI if you have the capability to, to, to do it. And uh, by the capability, I mean, you, usually uh, building the iOS version somewhere in the cloud costs a little bit more money, let's say, <laughs> but it's not like super expensive. So if you are on the level uh, of having um, kind of big organization, that shouldn't be any a, a, a price point, which uh, would have to go, I don't know, to the CEO to be accepted or to the board. And why I'm saying this, because uh, if you have to build two applications like for iOS and Android and perhaps uh, staging and production, there'll be four applications, you can't really do it in parallel on your own computer. That means on the slower computers, you probably will be like spending around 40 minutes to prepare everything or something like that. Uh, it's, it's a very dramatic difference between newer computers like IMAX, which has, uh, which can you know scale the CPU very well and they can build application in five minutes or less. But on the smaller l- laptops, uh, it will really take like uh, 40 minutes to build two applications or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's and not uh, very unusual. And it's two applications
1: times two variants, so it's an hour and a half suddenly, which is a significant portion of your day.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the developer is then, then bind to the terminal because they cannot really go and uh, do other work because you cannot switch the branch, right? Because you have to build from this branch and you cannot start two builds at the same time because that's not going to work. And you cannot go for lunch neither because your computer might
1: fall asleep and stop the build. And then later <laughs> it cannot, when it wakes up, the build is uh, frozen and you have to start from scratch, been, been there, done that.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I think it's a little bit of work to set it up properly, but I think it's worth, and there are many strategies how you can do it, like for example, every merge request, creation of the merge request will trigger a build, or it will be triggered only after merging to master. There are different strategies, different flavors you can pursue in this case, and and you can pick what's good for you, Um, but I think it's important to have it in the CI and then you can, you know, do the other stuff.
1: That's a very good point, Patrick. Uh, It slipped my mind, but it makes uh, a lot of sense and it simplifies things. As you said, it's an extra hustle, extra configuration and extra cost. But if you have a team of seven people working on it, uh, and even if one developer spends three days setting it up, uh, this cost disappears fairly quickly and um, yeah definitely
0: and nothing stops you from releasing versions uh, early and often which is great for the qa and it makes sure that now there is no like one special developer uh, where the, the build only works for him and you have to always go to this person t- you know to 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 deploy it but you you have it sorted out and scripted and everything is uh, great and what has to be shared is shared or the secrets are shared i, I think it's uh, like a proof of of your setup, of your concept that you're doing the the, um, application correctly.
1: Yeah, I remember back in the days uh, when it used to be that people kept uh, old computers around because the iOS signing was set up there and nobody knew how to move it to a new machine. But I think since uh, for us this does not exist, uh, this problem does not exist because from the beginning we're setting up automated builds using Fastlane, and then it's very clear where do you have your credentials and what steps do you have to do to onboard a new developer, so it's uh, you wouldn't lose them. Uh, and now when you put it on the CI, it's an extra layer, because you want to have the credentials in a safe way. So that when, uh, for example, CI gets hacked, nobody takes over your application because sometimes keystores are, I, I think the old version of the Android key store is the most, uh, let's say, secret or fragile or vulnerable uh, credential you might have for an Android application. Because with this you you could upload uh, upload over overwrite apps, or if you lose it you lose access to your own app and there's nothing you can do.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's all what we wanted to explain ah, and I, share in this episode. If yeah? I might,
1: uh, one last fault because we talked about the two scenarios and. Of course, every team is different, and we tried to explain the extreme scenarios when there is a very small team or a very big team in a big organization, and probably your use case falls in somewhere in the middle. And so, what you end up doing is uh, you will probably have some kind of mix of the of the two approaches. Because, for example, you might decide that uh, that you're working on a Greenfield app, you don't have any public users yet, so you don't need variants, you don't need a staging environment, you can just use one API for everything for now. And it will help you move faster and it's a great thing. Uh, but you would have different testing groups because you don't want to show every build to the CEO. Uh, so you should, be, you should mix and match those uh, options to, to make it fit your team and your app and your, your workflow. Because ultimately, the, the best workflow is the one that make, uh, lets your team move uh, forward as, as fast as they can, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. Please, please, dear listener, don't create processes just for sake of creating processes. I think that's the uh, one of the worst scenes of bigger companies. You know, they hire a person and the person just to justify their new position just starts to create processes and the whole company just slows down in processes which nobody understands nobody needs to so please please keep keep your companies lean only change things where where there is real need and everybody agrees on it and i think that's the great way to move forward
1: yeah definitely words of wisdom patrick words of wisdom
0: <laughs> thank you okay um yeah i think that's all for today Um i oh you have something to add to it for No,
1: I think uh, we already went a bit over time that we hoped it would take. It was supposed to be a short and easy episode uh, of the podcast. However, once you start touching on the release process, there's nothing short and easy about it. So another lesson here. Uh, But yeah, uh, I think it was, I hope it was uh, comprehensive and useful for the people who are listening. And yeah, probably next time, Maybe not on the next episode, but probably soon enough, we're going to dig a bit deeper into app reviews and how they differ between Apple and Google, and uh, what are the surprising guidelines you might encounter. That's a landscape that's always changing, and uh, I think every year it becomes more and more surprising. So uh, I would listen to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, mo- most preferably I would go back in time and listen to that so to save myself <laughs> some mistakes. But yeah, okay. live and learn.
0: Okay, uh, so thank you for listening and please uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet and see you on the next one.
1: Yeah, see you. Have a nice day, evening, morning. Your favorite part of the day. <laughs>
0: Bye. <laughs> Ciao. Thank you for listening to the episode. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. And if you like our show, consider sharing it with your friends. You will find notes to this episode on our page, brainsandbeards.com podcast, where you can as well give us feedback or suggest a topic for the future episodes. We would be very happy hearing back from you. Stay safe and curious till the next one. Bye.